being a man in our culture and not being like the alpha male, like not always being the A plus student, not always getting like the, the job that is expected of you, not earning a certain amount or like even to the point of like not being a womanizer, right? That That's something that's can be frowned upon like oh yes you, know, yeah. you don't have swagger like you know what, what's all this yeah so that stuff stays with you and it affects you in various uh areas of your life and so thank goodness that like years later I, I've now found therapy and I'm in therapy and I'm talking about the issues that you know that that weighed on me growing up and even the idea of black men anybody in <laughs> therapy. therapy honestly is so foreign to people like why are you going to tell all your personal business to a stranger yep. on top of that you're paying for it <laughs> you know it's yeah. like it, it, it's so foreign to people Hello, family. You are listening to Concrete Pastures. I am Nancy Mulemwasisi. Being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life. It inspired me to create a platform to reach out to my fellow immigrants and dreamers. The goal is to provide a space for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status. We discuss issues that are important to us in the diaspora. We celebrate the joys, the laughs, the bravery that being an immigrant brings. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And to all of our new listeners, welcome to the family. As you listen, please continue to support us by clicking the subscribe button and leaving us a review. We love connecting with you through your messages. We love hearing from you. Let us know what resonated with you, what you took away from our guest story. Our guests also love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out to them on their social media, through their email, if they provide us an email. And on today's guest, oh my goodness, just open up your mind, open up your ears. He is no stranger to a life of an immigrant. He's my fellow New Yorker and he's our first Ghanaian guest. So I am super duper excited. He's my lucky charm. Before I introduce him, a huge shout out to FMG Radio for continuing to give us visibility on their platform. Let's continue to support them by tuning in to FMG Radio. A little bit of what we're talking about today. We are talking about our culture. We can all relate. We have a culture. And in my opinion, it gives us an identity and also it shapes us on who we become. Today's guest is talking about his culture and how he has, you know, lived his life. Just take a listen. Okay. Richard is Ghanaian born. 
New York City-based creative director and content producer. Storytelling is at the root of everything he does. His entire life has been defined by a quest to find and tell the truth with a deep sense of purpose. He is also the founder of the board brand, a marketing consulting agency primarily for small businesses and entrepreneurs. Please welcome Richard. Hi. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was beautiful. I appreciate oh, that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm so grateful that you're able to join me. I know we've been trying to get the time on, but finally we are here. Yes. Season two. So exciting. <laughs> Wonderful. This, this is a great opportunity and I really love the idea behind the podcast, the kinds of people that you're bringing on. I mean, it's so needed. People need to hear these stories and they just need to know that we're out here and we've got something to say so i appreciate that <sighs> so exciting so exciting for starters we normally start with you telling us what got you from ghana to the u.s and what was life like there just a little bit yeah i mean so a little bit of an interesting backstory is uh my my parents or my mother rather was uh she worked for the ministry of foreign affairs in ghana and Ooh. you know by virtue of working at the ministry of foreign affairs she you know rubbed shoulders and you know was in touch with a lot of people who were either working at embassies in different countries or just exposure to lots of people from different places yeah. um so you know by virtue of working at the ministry of foreign Foreign affairs, she eventually became a diplomat. And so that, that allowed her to travel and be posted to other places. So naturally, when you're posted to other places, you bring your whole family along. Yes. So that, that's kind of how it worked out. Um, nice. you know, at the very beginning, um, it was we were posted to uh, what was then Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic in, in the oh. EU. And this was in the 80s. Um, and so, you know, we, we went between the Czech Republic and Ghana for a, a few years. And then somewhere, I think it was 1996, is then when my mom get, got posted to New York City. And ever since then, I've been going back and forth and living in the U.S. in various places. So, yeah, but it was my mom's job that got us over here. Wow. Beautiful. Then my next question of you adjusting, you already had adjusted many years ago. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that because I was young. I was still very young. Like when we like I was two years old the first time that we moved to the Czech Republic. And then. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we went back to Ghana. So it was kind of like, you know, Ghana was still very much where I had a lot of my formative years, you know. Um, and so coming to the U.S., that's my f- second real hosting, you know, yeah. in, in the family. There was there was a bit of a, a shock and, and a bit of an adjustment that happened because I, I think I was around like 11 or 12 at that time. Mm. And so most of what I knew was within the Ghana and an African context. And so you can only imagine you know this 12 year old boy landing in in, in the New York and you know I I think maybe it was around it was like early evening when we landed and so you step out and then you kind of just see the skyline and like nothing you've ever seen before just 
buildings huge tall reaching the sky and yeah you know i hadn't seen pictures before or videos or anything like that maybe i'd seen some video or movies on tv but it, it just didn't i didn't make the connection you know and so it was just everything was bigger you know um and so it was very surprising and i think it was also we came when it was autumn so it was a little bit chilly so i remember my mom had brought some jackets to the some coats to the airport for us because we were just in our summer clothes from ghana you know <laughs> yeah oh man oh my that, god that takes me back <laughs> wow this is why i love this show because this way i get to, because we don't get a chance to reflect on how things happen mm-hmm. and how yeah, we arrive. Yeah. Where did you guys go? Mm-hmm. Which borough did you guys go to? Uh, we we lived in Manhattan, so it, we Ooh, we actually weren't me. that. Uh, no, listen, it's not even like that. <laughs> you know, it, it For was anybody like, who's uh, listening, Manhattan <laughs> is one of the ex- most expensive places you can never leave okay yeah but 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 you know i have to clarify that you know most of the diplomats who end up in new york end up in manhattan because that's you know that's where the all the work happens that's where all the embassies are that's where the un is um and so you know your your country usually has i'm thinking about my money back home now i'm thinking about it you know <laughs> um so yeah but but it, it was it was by virtue of the job that we were living in manhattan definitely no means of our own that we were there <laughs> no that's the beauty though i mean your mom definitely and you guys deserve it because i mean you don't get where you are just for free um oh, you, yeah. you earn it so she's you guys earned it and it's, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of being a diplomat. I always admired. When I first came here, one of my friends was a uh, diplomat's daughter. And they, I mean, they get paid monthly um, mm-hmm. as well. As much as their parents, they also get paid. And uh, I used to go to their house in Queens. It was beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. <laughs> and I was just like, hmm. But it was all really nice, really, really nice. It's it's great. It's great. Um, So what was your first job here? Oh, man. So my first job, you know, fast forward all these years, uh, my first job was as a graphic designer um, in New York City. Wow, fancy. Um, So you can't even say like washing plates. Uh, listen, I, I I worked hard for that. <laughs> also, you, you know? went to school and then... Yeah, listen, we're skipping a whole thing. That was like, my life was up and down, up and down, you know? And so, you know, but finally, after my uh, university, I went to university in Reading, Pennsylvania, actually, which is another state here in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, I studied communications and digital media. Um, and I also did a minor in theater. So I was very busy, like engaged in my, my education and I was working three jobs at the same time, you know, but it it was just like, uh, I guess those might've been my first jobs. If I want to correct myself, you know, I was working in my undergrad, but I didn't, I didn't consider that like my first job. It was just like, you do what you have to do to, to like pay for your needs while you're in school and everything like that. So yeah, I mean, if we're talking about that first job, the, those first three jobs, the first one of them was 
I worked as a um, an assistant in a computer lab, helping people like figure out how to print documents or like work with certain applications and stuff like that. I worked late nights at a TV station. You know, if you're if you ever see commercials come on the TV, I was that person who was doing it at like midnight. You know, but back in the day, it was different. You know, you had to there were different you know video files that you had to press the right button at the right time so that the next commercial would come on the next commercial it was not like automated or anything oh wow uh, that so, was interesting okay so this time around they are automated they're timed at this time oh yeah yeah there, there's all software that controls all of that stuff but i had to manually do that stuff at the local tv station um wow, that's impressive yeah, it was fun, but it was it was hard because like again, it was around eleven o'clock midnight, and I'm a student, so and then like, then you go to you work. gotta get up and go to cool. class the next day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and then my third job at while I was in school was um, I was working for the college's admissions office, um, and so uh, there, there's a long story there. But the long and short of it is um, I got a scholarship, and I really liked the the counselor who helped me get that scholarship. So. When I got to the university, I said, hey, I want to help. I want to give back. I want to do something. And so they said, "Okay, come work at the admissions office. You can give new students and new international students the tour of the campus. You can tell them all about it and stuff like that. So I was an ambassador for the campus uh, for the school. So those are my first three jobs. And then when I graduated, then I became a graphic designer. Wow. (laughs) Beautiful story. Nice. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> no, it's a lot. We all put in uh, time and it's all about managing your time, especially as an exactly. immigrant. You have to manage your time. You cannot say, oh, I just have to study and that's it. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, you have to pay for your phone. You have to... Yeah, exactly. You have to eat. <laughs> exactly. Food, your cell phone bills so that you can call your parents back home, you know, your your textbooks, your clothing, you know, these are the essentials. Oh my God, talking about textbooks. Do you mm-hmm. know one textbook, one year? Because when I first started my school, I was doing um, nursing. So to take one of the clinicals, it was like... It was not even one of the clinicals. It's like pre-clinicals. Yeah. Anatomy and fees. Okay. What? Two hundred dollars. <laughs> Those book. books are not cheap. They are not cheap. It's crazy. And you as a student, you're trying to pay for that. Oh my goodness! You know. Two hundred dollars. I'm like, and there's one and two. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy to think you know and and that i mean it's still the case but now it's better because like you have the internet and there's so many resources and Mm, stuff like that some of these books but i remember this is a little bit of a side story yeah very true very true it reminds me after my high school which is like my senior secondary school um i went back to ghana for one year because we didn't have the money to afford college for me to go to at the time and so wow. while I was in Ghana for that year, I got accepted into one of the universities there. And so what I'm reminded of is the textbook situation there. 
very different you know like the the textbooks that you get it's not a textbook it's you know pieces of paper that have been xeroxed and copied from an actual textbook and then they pass that around to everybody because the textbooks are too expensive right and so the 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 program or the school the what the department will just get a few of those and then they'll make multiple copies and then just share that amongst everybody and that's how we learn do you stuff. pay for that xerox copy you do pay a little bit for the Xerox copy, but nowhere near anything Compared. that you pay for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> no, like I felt the pain of paying the two hundred dollars, mm. and then the next semester, same thing. I was just like, Yeah, that's tough. That's so tough. Mm. It's a lot, but yeah. By this year, people have the luxury of financial aid if you can. But you exactly, there's a whole lot of complications on those. But that'll be another topic that we can do another time for anybody yeah. who is interested. <laughs> no, like serious people would uh, love to know how they can go to school for free and get. Oh the yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. I was one of those people, but I would never qualify ever. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So one of the topics that I wanted to talk about was culture. In my opinion, like honestly, uh, culture, I think in a way gives us an identity. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, it shapes who we become. And if you allow it, because you see something that we learn as soon as we are born. So depending on how your parents are, mm -hmm. uh, depending like what culture they're coming from. So they all invert that on you as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to have this conversation with you on how culture from Ghana and the American culture has affected how you are as a man, as a black man mm -hmm. in America and an African. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very great I question. I know, it's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. There's so much to say there. Um, so I, I hope I can be as concise and like really hone in on those insightful bits as possible. Um, you know, the, the first thing I have to say is um, I have to acknowledge that I have been... I have lived an extremely privileged life compared to most Ghanaians and most Africans. So Thank I just want to, yeah, I just want to honor and respect that, you know, yeah. because there, there might be people watching out there who are like, oh, but you live in the U.S., you, you got a job there, all of this stuff, you know, you're living good. So I don't understand why you're complaining. Yeah. So please, just it's understand. It's not really complaining. <laughs> I think we, no, because I, I, I want for people to acknowledge, because the thing is, I was listening to something. I, they're like, oh, people, when you get rich, people think that your problems go away. Mm -hmm. It's just you get a different type of problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Just because we're in America, we have jobs. Yeah. Or wherever we are in outside our countries. It doesn't mean we don't have problems. We, can, we are entitled to complain. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, taking it back to your question, though, I mean... Obviously, these are two very different cultures, being in Ghana and being in the U.S., you know, and, um, you know, my experience, my, my experience of Ghanaian culture is a little limited because I was there and then I left and then I went yeah. back and then, I, you know, so mm -hmm. I go back and forth. And so there isn't a continuity of that experience. But what yeah. I will say is that, you know, back to the beginning of my story, some of my formative years in primary school um, where in Ghana and you know it's my parents they, they've had the privilege and exposure of living in foreign countries but when they're back home 
they are very local, you know, and they don't they don't mess they don't mess around. It's not like oh you enjoyed Western life, so now you can live your Western life here in Ghana. No, 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 no. So you know, I I grew up very much in a you know, typical Ghanaian household, going to school very typically, um, and it, it was a lot of like you know please understand that we were not well off. We are okay, you know, and um, we're hardworking and everything that you do, you have to be committed to. You have to have discipline, mm. especially, especially as a, a man, yeah, as a boy and a man in, in Ghana and in Africa. Um, you know, there's this sense of pride and that you need to eventually become the breadwinner of the family. And so you have certain responsibilities. You have a certain you have to conduct yourself in a certain way, certain mannerisms, um, you know, everything from you know the kind of job that you eventually get you know you know the jobs the the doctor the lawyer banker engineer of course that's where your 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 life is heading so get it straight you know none of this other stuff like you want to be an actor no 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 no. we don't do that that's not a real job what's wrong with you no 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 you can't provide for your family on that right so go to a good school you know get a good job take care of your family those are the core and i mean Let's be honest, those are universal values, right? But yeah. somehow they feel very, you know, particular in our, our home countries, right? Um, so, Any country in Africa, man, they can yeah. find the same. Oh, my God. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it, it was also quite unique because, I, you know, in my family, it's a family of three boys. And so it's wow. like you know boy after boy after boy and so the pressure the expectations the you know the high hopes that our parents have for us you know they really instill that and it's like you you can't afford to mess up you have to be on the straight and narrow like and you have to be able to provide for your family when you grow up and also provide for your parents because we put in a lot of hard work you know like you are an investment <laughs> you yeah know? yeah so that's kind of the the mentality the, the the culture you know that i grew up on there but also again i also want to share that ghana is an amazing place like we have a lot of fun we're very personable people and yeah. like we, we enjoy getting to know people and we enjoy laughing and like just you know the, the quality of life is very important to us so i had a lot of beautiful experiences as well i have a big extended family you know i have something like 21 cousins you know i have uh, eight aunts and uncles or stuff like you know so it's, it's a big family you know and those are just the people who are directly related to me by yeah. blood you know not <laughs> you can't even imagine you know who else is related to you aside from just the yeah. eight Exactly. And yeah. <laughs> my grandmother had eight children and that was just like first of all my mind was like how do you continue to have eight kids yeah oh my goodness it's a lot and actually i misspoke it my my grandmother actually had 12 children and just Ooh. over the years they, they've been passing away unfortunately but yeah yeah same thing for my grandmother yeah yeah so uh, it, it, it's you know it's a beautiful big family and now a lot of them are also like living abroad and immigrants in various places but we all came from the same place you know and we all understand the same struggles the same joys and everything like that so take that and then take this u.s culture <laughs> i i mean i don't even know honestly i don't even know how you would define u.s culture to be honest it, it's it's something completely different you know and i'll just share a little bit of my personal experience because yeah. like 
it's um it's it's a learning curve right it's like i came as a child and so i i had the benefit of like being able to adjust over time right and and i don't think a lot of people get that they have to kind of just fall into it and then just pick stuff up so quickly but i got to gradually sort of you know yeah. develop and grow into it but like i remember you know being in 6th grade or class 6 and you know the first thing that hit me was just like how mean children are can be you know like the bullying here like yeah we have bullying at home but it's a little different here because it's like <laughs> there's a racial component to it you know oh your skin is so dark you know and no. what what is this accent you know what is this heavy accent oh, i can't even understand that. what you're saying you know so it, obviously now my accent is just like american accent Completely at this different, point, right? yeah but when I first got here, yeah, it was it was very different. Wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, but being a kid in school, it was a huge adjustment because it was just like I didn't understand, uh, and nobody really took the time to explain to me like you're different, you know. And mm. this difference, it can be either be a strength or it can be a weakness, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, you, the way in which that it affects you is, you know, just how other people talk about you, whether it's to you or behind you and how you deal with that. And I honestly, the, maybe for the first year, I was completely ignorant. I didn't under, I didn't know that they were making fun of me because I was like, okay, it's not my, something that you my skin is dark. Yeah. Okay. Yes. My skin is dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My accent is different from yours. Okay. I understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're trying to make fun of me. So um, it wasn't until later that I realized that, oh, you know, because they're not used to that, they find it funny and they use it to shame people. And, you know, it, it took me a while to understand that, but it was a huge adjustment. Right. So that's just one of the things that like really the, in terms of a culture shift and a culture shock that yeah. eventually I realized. And, you know, and as you get older, the kids become a little bit meaner. Yes, <laughs> no, for sure. You know? Yeah. And then it, it starts to become like uh, a materialism sort of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I have the brand name clothes. And I, to this day, I don't wear brand name clothes because I like it, it affected me so much back the then. Trauma. That, like, the yeah, like I didn't yeah. come from a rich family, so we're not buying all these brand name clothing to show off in school. Like we're wearing regular things from Walmart, Target, these yes. generic stores and stuff like that. Meanwhile, they're coming with like the Gucci or whatever it was. As you know but you went to school in Manhattan <laughs> yeah well yeah that, that's right <laughs> yeah it's a different different world altogether <laughs> it, it, it's a different world oh my god I'm so sorry that you went through that it's okay I mean wow. this is part of the journey right um, yes wow and and I should say, my, my story goes even further and much more beyond that because I, I didn't always stay and live in New York. Um, yeah. You know, I stayed there for four years, at which point, and this this has become, this, this becomes a very interesting conversation because talk about the difference in culture, talk about the difference in upbringing. So after the four years in New York, my mom was getting posted to another country. Right. She's a diplomat. She had to get, she was being posted to Kosovo, I think, at the time. So at that point, we, everyone in the family had a decision to make, right? Because, um, 
being posted to Kosovo was a little bit different than like being posted to New York. And it, at the time, it was very, I don't, I don't think it was war torn, but there was a lot of like civil uh, strife going on there and a lot of like tension. And so it wasn't necessarily the safest and the best environment for your family. Yeah. And so we kind of all had a decision to make, which was, are we, the kids going to be able to finish our education in the United States? Or are we going to go to Ghana? Um, or are there some other options? So I told you, I have two older brothers. They're both older, uh, you know, by a couple of years. And so one of them was uh, in college and the other one was finishing up high school. And then I was here in my primary school going into high school. Wow. And so we were all in different levels. And so the decisions that needed to be made for each of us was different. Right. And so the crazy thing that ended up happening was, OK, my oldest brother, he went to Canada to finish up his schooling there. My middle brother went to another state. He went to Maryland to finish up his schooling there in college. And then there was me and my parents, you know, I don't, I don't really understand how I got to have this choice, but they gave me the choice of go home to Ghana with your dad or go live with one of your aunties in another state in the U.S. Mm. And I didn't know the significance of the huge significance of these, these choices that I was being offered. But, you know, at the time, I guess we had or I had a little bit of like a understanding that it might be beneficial for me to finish my education in the U.S. because maybe that degree will go further than yeah. going back to Ghana and getting a degree there or something like that. Yeah. So I decided, OK, I'll go live with one of my aunties. And so I went all the way to the other side of the U.S., to California, to do my high school. And so that's where I finished my high school. But even that was a very different situation. And I, I, this is probably where I won't go too deep into the personal story because it is a little traumatic. I had a bit of a traumatic experience there. Um, but the long and short of it was that was a different American and U.S. cultural environment than a Manhattan in New York was. Yeah. Right? That was a little bit more chill, laid back, relaxed, like a lot of people like trying to understand you. The kids were a little bit more like inclusive and like, oh, nice. You know? Yeah, because, you know, over there in New York, the schools that I went, I was going to, well, the first schools that I was going to was a lot of like rich kids, you know, and like from, yeah. from, from countries where they're mostly white, right? Yeah. And in California, the school that I was going to there was a lot of like mixed kids and immigrants from like China, Korea, Japan, Mexico, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it felt easier to sort of blend in and to make friends because they all kind of had similar like immigrant stories, you know, living in the U.S. And so we kind of bonded over that. And so needless to say, I really thrived there, even though I did go through some really hard times there as well. Yeah. Um, but it was like, I felt like I was learning America through these experiences, right? Mm. And there's a saying that I don't know if many people have heard, but it's from a song, I think, that got uh, mentioned in a speech, which is, you know, live in New York once, but leave before it makes you too hard. And then live in California once, but leave before it makes you too soft. And yeah. those two things are very true. I've experienced it. And those cultures are very indicative of that as well. 
So yeah, it, it's time for me to migrate to <laughs> California. The, I, I love my experience there, and you know, you talk to my wife Erica. I don't know if she mentioned this, but like, based off of that, I'm convinced that like we're gonna spend part of our life living in California, or like at least going back and I forth know. because she, I love she told that. Me. The five, five, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, cause I loved my experience out there, but yes, you can't stay out there too long. Otherwise, you know, you, you enjoy it too much that you start to forget yourself, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> Listen, even the way they talk is like, oh, <laughs> in New York, it's like speed up the process. Yeah. I mean, cause it's different. Like it, New York is all about business, hustle, make money, you know, and California is more about like, enjoy, relax. You're here, sunshine, ocean, you know, it's very different. For anybody who's listening, California is the place. New York, if you want to make lots of money, you come here, but you're going to be very busy. You got to make a lot of money in either place that you go. It just depends on the lifestyle you want. It's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, you got the Hollywood stars in California. That's right. In New York. So, hey. Yeah. But wow. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So with the trauma that you experienced, mm-hmm. have you like done anything about it? Have you said, cause I know when you experience a lot as a child, mm-hmm. it goes with you Absolutely. from my experience. Like I had to get over, I was bullied in school, uh, primary school. So I had to get, the only way I got over my bullying, I beat up my bully. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Kudos on the one hand, but on the other hand, <laughs> you beat up somebody. Kids, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't but, do that. <laughs> no, the thing is, so I'll tell you the story. I was moved from one class. To, so our school was from A to E. So mm-hmm. like second grade was like A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. all of second grades. Okay. So I was moved from one class to the other. I go to the class that I was moved from the two Mm-hmm. I sit down. You know, I don't know if you have this in Ghana. We have like a pencil case okay. that is made out of metal. Yes, we have that. <laughs> so, no. So this girl tells me. So I sit down next to her. She tells me, oh, you dropped all my pencils. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, 20 pencils that I dropped. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that thing, if it falls, it makes a lot of noise. You hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like our, our flooring is yeah. cement. Cement, it's concrete. concrete. <laughs> so, like, so she starts, she was bigger than me, uh, like in structure, because mm. I've always been skinny. So she tells me, she's like, I'm going to tell, by then I was living with my grandmother, I'm going to tell your grandmother, and I was terrified oh. out of my mind. She's like, I'm going to tell your grandmother, you lost all my 20 pencils. So I said, okay. Months, like fast forwarding, like we went all the way to sixth grade. She mm. was still bullying me and oh. I'm going to tell your mom, I'm going to tell you who. Like if my, I remember my dad came one time at school because I never used to live with him. So he was passing by, he saw me in school, he gave me like 50 kwacha at the time. She saw me receive the money and she okay. was just like, I need that money so you can pay off everything that you owe me. So I gave it to her and then she had the nerve to come back again to start to bully me. So no. we had this thing in school. Mm-hmm. Anybody you had beef with, you would go to this section. This is so bad. 
<laughs> like to to do a, a scoring thing. So yeah. whoever goes down, like we'll do like wrestling type of thing. So okay. whoever goes down, that's the winner. So I said, yeah, you and I are going to go. <laughs> so we went. Oh my and goodness. I won. And that was the end of it. And wow. Then, years later, we became friends. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, years later, we uh, became friends. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, oh I digress. I didn't have to tell you. No. But that affected me so much. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere I went, I'm just like looking over my shoulder. Even when I went to a new school, I'm just like, mm. be careful not to drop anybody's stuff. Mm-hmm. But how have you dealt with that, you know? trauma um i I later i experienced another trauma in my years but yeah Yeah. i had to deal with that later (laughs) yeah and and, you know i'll I'll start at the end because i think it's good for people to hear the positive right before i talk about some of the negative and so you know a lot of the trauma that i've experienced in my life is centered around my family and my upbringing within my family it's Mm. it's very little of it is external you know like like you're bullying for example very little of it is that but i will start by saying that you know my family and i are in great terms now like you know the, the various people that like i had issues with or that might made my upbringing a little bit like trying and, and difficult so and it's just one of those things that like as you're a kid you know th- there needs to be a little bit of grace and understanding for the fact that kids just don't know what's happening around them and yes. so um and so adults really need to step up and like cater to like helping kids supporting kids being loving and nurturing and sometimes that in our culture that really isn't prioritized right and so um you know fast forward now to being an adult and feeling like i need i can communicate about these things like i you know i've confronted some of them i've talked about some of the issues that i felt i was experiencing and you know some the, the sometimes the most frustrating thing but also the most reassuring thing is just like the adults going I didn't know, right? Yeah. And you know, part of you wants to go, how could you not know? Yeah. And then the other part is like, well, okay, maybe that's why you didn't do anything about it. So, so like I have to forgive you kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So, it's been a long journey. It's been a very long journey. You know, some of the trauma, you know, it, it's just things like that you know I, I remember instances where you know and and as privileged as we were there were times when i i was really struggling like i i was never an a plus student you know yeah. like i was never like top of my class or anything like that that was like my middle brother you know but i i was never that kind of kid i was always average you know and so i always struggled and you know the expectations and the pressure that gets put on on you about grades and when the report card comes home ooh. You know, like if you have a bad report card, you can expect that you're getting a beating, you know, something like that. You know, it's, it's not like a, what happened here? You know, how can we do better next time? No, you get beat. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. That's how you grow up. Right. And then you just hopefully that beating like pressures you into like studying harder or doing something, you know, it, it's not ideal. Sometimes it works for certain people. Other times it doesn't work. You know, for me discipline and and that kind of physical discipline has never been a good motivator you know it's it's always made me more closed off that's just the kind of child that i was you know and i've grown up you know that to to your point that kind of stuff stays with you and so i grew up with a lot of that 
right? And so in, in situations as an adult, whether it's like, how do you make new friends or how do you like go into a new job with authority? Like how, how do you do any of these things um, mm. without like, closing yourself off and like yeah. anytime somebody like gives you small criticism you become very defensive and like closed off and like sh you know shy or like you 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 get defensive all this kind of stuff it, it comes from those early days those very beginnings you know and wow as we've talked about like especially being a man in our culture and not being like the alpha male like not always being the a plus student not always getting like the the job that is expected of you not earning a certain amount or like even to the point of like not being a womanizer right that that's something that's can be frowned upon like oh yes. you know yeah. you don't have swagger like you know what, what's all this yeah so that stuff stays with you and it affects you in various uh, areas of your life and so thank goodness that like years later I've, I've now found therapy and I'm in therapy and I'm talking about the issues that you know that that weighed on me growing up and even the idea of black men anybody in <laughs> therapy. therapy honestly is so foreign to people like why are you going to tell all your personal business to a stranger yep. on top of that you're paying for it <laughs> you know it's yeah. like it, it, it's so foreign to people you know and uh, the other part of that that's foreign is that you know in our culture like to resolve almost all our issues it, we 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 rely on our faith and our religion right so whether you're islamic whether you're christian like yeah. that's you turn to that first you know you're having problems with your family okay you go see your priest or or your your you know the, the person that is the head of your church or your clergy yeah. um you know it, to to help walk you through the issues yeah. um you're having issues with finances or whatever okay go to god pray you know go to church every sunday like just keep the faith and eventually things will work out and um i think i think there's merit and i think there's a lot of wonderful you know value in that but yeah. i think there's also a little bit of a lack of accountability in that right in, in taking control of your own journey or whether it's your own healing from your traumas yeah. or or you know going out there and seeking new opportunities to make more money like you can't just throw everything to god and then continue to do the same things that you do all the time right it, it's it doesn't work that way i mean so. they even say god helps those who help themselves yeah exactly right so you know part of that is okay let me talk to a therapist somebody yeah. who's professional and who's whose responsibility it is to understand how to bring up those things in me and help me navigate them but then also help me to heal and then to be able to move forward in such a way that if those issues start to come up and to trigger bad reactions in me that i will be capable of being able to address them myself so i become self-sufficient self-reliant and not only that when I become self-sufficient, self-reliant, and I love myself, I, I'm happy with who I am. Yeah, I can I can help others much better. Yeah, you know, 
That's so, very powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it took a long time to come to that. And, you know, unfortunately, one of the consequences of not being on that journey soon enough is I was previously married and now I'm divorced. I, I have one marriage that just didn't work out because I yeah. wasn't where I needed to be, you know? Yeah. And so things like that, you know, it starts at home and it starts with the children. So that's very important for people to remember. Oh my God. That's so powerful. And, um, so many people are going to relate to you. So many people, because our culture, even for, like I was telling you before we started, um, you guys are applauded for so many things that women already do. Mm. One time we had a funeral. I think it was somebody died that was close, related to my father. And um, everybody was applauding. Oh, my God, your father was crying so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's really grieving. He's really... And there were so many women already feeling the same pain that he's feeling yeah. crying yeah but all of those was not acknowledged except him yeah. because he was crying the, yeah. the most or whatever it, like it, everybody else was crying including my grandmother was there it's ridiculous as soon as they see a man do something mm. almost the same thing like if you sweep the house they'd say <laughs> wow. wow. He, you, he, everyone you click. <laughs> oh my gosh. One yeah. of my, you know, even one of my, uh, my brothers, um, from another mother posted a post. It's like, oh, you know, when a woman, when a man cleans the house, they say he's been bewitched. yeah it's it's so it it makes no sense it's so crazy right it's crazy like you guys get uploaded for so much and then even here's the funny thing forget it like even with therapy right now everybody's just like why would he even go to therapy and talk about his business yeah here here's the crazy part about that right i because i i remember um as a kid there's one specific instance that I remember that my grandmother died and Mm. this was the first time that I remember like sobbing like just like crying so heavily and Mm. I must have been I don't know six or seven years old or something like that Mm. and you know I, I didn't even know her that well but like, I think it was my first real f- funeral or something like that. Yeah. And it was someone that I had known or had been exposed to. Yeah. And we were in the car driving home and I'm just sobbing, crying in the backseat with my brothers. And it's like, after maybe like five minutes, like, okay, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Ah, you know, like, yeah. why? why my grandmother just died. Like, I get that. Like you and, and my parents weren't crying as much, you know, or at least at the time they weren't crying as much. And I don't know whether it's like, oh, they're trying to be strong for you or something. Yes. But yes. it's so crazy to me that especially boys are chastised or are made to feel bad yeah. for showing the, these emotions at an early age. You, they are These emotions are beaten out of you at a young age. And then when you're an adult, oh, wow, you're still... Yes. What is yes. happening here? Yeah. Why are we doing this, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful in some respects because, like I said, I, I come from a family of three boys. And my mom was like the, the champion of the family. She, you know, she's uh, the way our tribe is, is very matrilineal. So women, like, they run everything, right? Gotcha. And, and so... 
um it, it's funny because like the three of us we grew up doing all of those things like my saturday morning my mom's like okay you get the broom you get the mop you get the this you know we're gonna clean mm. this whole house so okay i'm starting to cook you're helping me cut this da, 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 da. so you know we got a bit of a different experience than i, I think most wow. guys did in their upbringing which was like it's okay for you to do these things and in fact you need to know how to do these things this is the 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 twist to the story you need to do these things you need to know how to do these things until you get married and then your wife should do it <laughs> so on the one hand it's good that you're learning these skills but when you get married then you can just relax <laughs> that's how they teach you guys uh back home and it's just like the the boys sit back mm. and it, the thing is i think even if if she has girls mm. maybe two girls or one girl i think the girls the, would have been doing would the be most doing the work, work. Yeah, yeah the majority exactly. of the work and then you mm. guys will just be chilling and you know yeah because you yeah. don't need to learn this because why are you stopping at the time you you married yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know and being an immigrant everybody's busy yeah. we all have to contribute cleaning yeah. income everything yeah, I, I think it's so crazy, you know, that this is how we're we're raising our boys and our men, and and so like any little show of affection, emotion, or just like wanting to be like self aware and go to therapy is like so foreign to people that it's like you know we have to decide whether it's a good thing or it's like completely like irrational. It, it's 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 sad, and yes, especially I, I think the other side of that coin is you know when you transport all that culture and that th those upbringings to a place like the yeah. US or yeah. a, a western country why what are you doing you know what are you doing because it, you know and it it's not a bad thing necessarily there are some parts that are good there are some parts that are bad like everything in life mm. but it's I'll like, let you talk <laughs> but it's like you know I remember it's like when when we came here it's like okay we have to find our Ghanaian community here and and so so that you're like reinforcing your culture but in a different place like you're trying to hold on to it so badly you know meanwhile you're not really thinking about well maybe some of the things that we brought over we, we can leave behind we don't need to I agree. Certain, you know, yeah, and we don't really do that kind of critical thinking. We just get here, and it's like this: that we want, we need our community. We need to be surrounded by people who are just like us. And so it, it's like so that mentality of oh, okay, the boys can just fi go find a job, but then your wife will take care of the home kind of thing. You bring that with you, and let's be fair, you know, that's similar thinking in the U.S. The, a lot of people do that here too, but it just feels so like exponentially difficult because you are literally coming from a different country yeah. you have the opportunity to do things differently it's right 100 and yet you choose to do the same things you choose to raise your children the same way you choose to you, like let the culture drive your decision making instead of like trying to customize a better and new life for yourselves in this environment you know so it's there's a lot that's very complex and and it's yeah you know i have a lot of compassion though for you know people like my parents who bring their kids over and it's like you want to protect them 
from like a lot of what's happening in this new environment. And so the way in which you think to do that is to reinforce the values that you initiated back home. Um, but sometimes that can be detrimental to the kids. So it, it definitely is. And also the thing is, um, I think on one episode I had with Frances, what I was talking about, uh, we, we touched on raising children is we come from a third world country. Those values of third world country and our kids being, whether you were born here or the way you came as a, a young person, you get adapt, you, you adapt your environment, your new mm-hmm. environment. And this is a rich country mm-hmm. beyond our oldest dreams, but between you and your parents and us, it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. bring those values here. It's very difficult because like you go to school, there's kids who are wearing Louis Vuittons mm-hmm. and you, you're looking at yourself like, what's wrong with me? That Why don't I have Louis mm-hmm. Vuittons? Yeah. Uh, or they are wearing gas or whatever designs that they are wearing, but yeah. you go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then without even understanding, um, what's going on with you our parents you know as parents we're expecting for you to understand as well that okay you have to to abide by this yeah you, yeah. you have to it's just now that i'm raising my daughter uh, and my son i'm trying to understand like high emotions and everything else because even if, aside from boys we're taught to be tough too as mm-hmm. girls you shouldn't Absolutely. be crying. You should be showing all your emotions. It was tough for me to actually see my ex-partner cry when we were going through a, a, a separation. Mm. And uh, I had never seen him cry. So during our separation, he's... Um, I'm, I'm, I process things later. Yeah. He was already processing as yeah, we were going moment. in the mm-hmm. moment. So he was he's experiencing his emotions. I'm just like, why are you crying? <laughs> so I, I was I, I was not used to that. Yeah. And uh, he's also an immigrant. He was like this macho guy and just like, uh, not mm. even macho, it's just like tough exterior yeah. that he, he was also taught the same kind of thing, even though we come from two different worlds, like he's Ukrainian. And mm. they also have that tough toughness. Because even when I started dating him, they were like, Oh my God, mm. those guys are very tough. But, yeah. but I'm like, he's a human being at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is very interesting. I mean, the I, I the reason I always keep coming back to kids, kids is because of my therapy and because of like the the, the level of understanding that I'm now starting to have about what my upbringing was really like for me and how it's affected me to this day and you know I, I I think about it because and I try to empathize with my parents as well it's not yeah. like I'm just trying to bash on them for all you know no no like, no of course of course not you yeah. know but it, it's one of those things where you know I see myself as a kid and I see like the issues that I'm having as a kid and first of all we're not very good communicators at least from from a parents to child level right in in our culture not very good at that i agree at all. i agree you know, everything is what i say yeah exactly you do what you're told and everything that i say and why are you talking back to me and all this yeah. sort of thing 
and that you know again it's that it's that like i need to maintain authority here otherwise my kids will run wild mentality yeah and i just don't think we've learned a better way you know to just be able to explain and to talk to our children almost like adults and I, i think there's a lot of value in that yes there's also a lot of risk because you know once your kids be start to think and talk like adults they also become more independent and assertive and everything like that but that's you want that right and you just have to nurture and cultivate that to you know make the right decisions and stuff like that you know and so yeah. it, it but it's about being consistent and also being like honest and present because yeah. I I have a child now too. He's just one years old. I was about um, to ask you. I'm like, did you come <laughs> to this phase or mm. this journey because you just had your son, or did you start this prior or during pregnancy? I I think I started this prior. I mean, I I think I have a really like I'm really more intentional about it now because I have a son. Yeah. But, I've I've always been thinking like this like as long as I've been able to like live on my own and have independence and be assertive I've always kind of thought about like when I become a father what kind of father do I want to be because mm. I I know the kind of upbringing that I had and I yeah. know the kinds of trials and challenges that I went through and I I don't want anybody to have to deal with that and yeah. especially not my son because again to me the idea of i want to make life easier and better for the next generation for my children yeah. you know to me that means not burdening them with the issues that i had to grow up with right so yeah you know when we talk about our parents immigrating to another country you know you talk about like they, their issues are completely on a different level than their kid coming to them and saying hey i want a gucci shirt you know and and so to them their reaction is like oh get out of here like you know you think we have money for that kind of thing like i'm yep. trying to pay the bills i'm trying to you know you know we're we're in this new country i'm trying to sort things out and you're coming about and you know whatever so your problems are inconsequential so i mean that's the way that they typically handle it but maybe it doesn't need to be but that but it's way. the truth is it yeah it's the it's, truth but you don't have to handle it like true. that yes it's the truth and i agree with you completely like the way they we our parents handle things trust trust me i'm working on myself to like cuz my daughter Oh my god. <laughs> Listen, and I don't pretend to know because my kid is just one and I only have the one. So Wait I'm sure the older they are, the more they test you. So, you know, Wait right now it. I'm very optimistic. I'm very happy, you know. I'm sure you ask me the same question in 5, 10 years, I'm going to be very like <laughs> Listen, we laugh, but this is so serious and it's relevant to talk about. Um our culture does shape us whether we like it or not. It does shape us and it's when we come to these countries, it's important to acknowledge the type of environment our kids are and for us who are creating lives here with babies and that are born here we we have to change the way we parent is that's just the bottom line we have to change the way we parent and we, for any issues that we might have like any trauma i applaud you because you. for men 
you, you have, I, I think a lot of men out there have a lot of pride. I'm sorry, Ben, but I just have to say it out. Yeah. You have, you have a lot of pride in then some of that or what you have either goes to other people that don't deserve it mm-hmm. because you didn't deal with what you went through as mm-hmm. a child with anybody. So I, I truly, truly applaud you for, for sharing because whew, it's a lot to actually call that out. It's a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. No, I, I, I agree with you 100%. My, my greatest wish and my sincerest hope for any of the guys listening to this or just everybody in general, all, all kinds of immigrants, moms, dads, women, guys, you know, it's the important thing to remember is that you are what you are ultimately doing is trying to create a better life for yourself and for the people that you support whether it's children or family anybody you know there are lots of people who are out here in a new environment um with very little support and help themselves who are trying to take care of family back home and stuff like that so you know the important thing to remember is that you are trying to create a better life for yourself and those that surround you and you know one of the best ways to do that is not with a heavy hand but with an open heart right and that that just means yeah it it just means like as hard as things get just continuing to look forward continue to hold that optimism that strength of hope and that that belief that you can get there you can do it and you're you know you're you're, it's just going to be so much better once you get there and you're looking back like yeah, I, I went through a lot. And, you know, there were times when I was at my worst, but they just made me stronger to get here. And also my children are going to benefit from this. You know, one of the things that I want to touch on really quickly is just, no, no, of course, you know, this, this, this idea of the conversations that we have amongst ourselves and also with our children and the next generation is, you know, we have an opportunity to do things differently right and to talk about the things that most people don't want to talk about because it's uncomfortable and it feels very hard but the thing that we're lacking is the foresight of how beneficial it could be for their general well-being for the kinds of relationships that they'll be developing with others right and you know just even, even things as simple as like talk to your kids about the money you know about the money situation like the the heart the, the one of the biggest hardships that we all face especially as immigrants in a new country is money and like how yeah. you're struggling to make it and how you know very thin it is to go around for all the needs and you know yeah. if you've got kids that you're trying to support you got to talk to them about that hardship right because you need them to be on board with like the decisions you're making and with the uh, the understanding that okay maybe this month you know we're not going to buy as many clothes for you or something like that or we're not going to buy yeah. as many toys or games or whatever because it's tight right now you know and so yeah. when if you're able to have those conversations with your kids then they become a part of the solution they they don't they don't stress you out as much with their requests and also maybe they might say what can i do you know as little as i am or whatever oh so oh my god you got to bring them along for the journey and start having these real conversations and not just create a wall like i'm the parent i make the rules and you just have to listen like we need to end that it's over yeah 
I agree with you. You just touched on something that I just re- I recently talked to my daughter about because every time we go out, she wants A, B, C, and D. Because uh, normally when she helps me clean, I'll give her a dollar or mm-hmm. to watch her brother uh, maybe in their room playing. I would give her like a two dollars or something. I give her some type of allowance. Yeah. So I told her, listen, this is the list of things that I need to pay for. Because every time we go to the store, I start to get irritated. I only want to lash out on my daughter. Because again, yeah. trying to be conscious with how I parent. Mm-hmm. You can't be lashing out on mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. Um, it, they are not, it's not that problem that you don't you, you don't have enough. I sat down with her. These are the bills that I have to pay. Some months we have enough so we can buy a toy here and there. And some months we're not, we don't have that much. Mm-hmm. And she actually started, she's like, oh, mommy, I have $30. Do you want me to take you to do nails? Look at that. Oh. And it was so touching. I'm like, no, keep your money. Maybe yeah. one day we can go and, and I think it's important to have those conversations. And I just mm-hmm. did it from now. I'm like, you know what? Instead of me getting frustrated with my with my daughter or myself that I don't have enough mm-hmm. for me to continue to buy these things, let me have a conversation with her. And she was very welcoming and understanding of it. Yeah. And she now she just goes, "Oh, mommy, it's okay. You don't have to pay me. I'll watch uh, my brother." Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, what you're teaching her there is something so valuable that we really rarely talk about with our children or with anybody. It's just this idea you're starting what is basically financial literacy. Right. And, and, And it's this idea of the value of money and like. You know, sometimes you need to save, sometimes you can spend, you know, and sometimes you like invested in something. And so, you know, you think about your current situation and how you feel financially. And most people would say, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm paying the bills or I'm like paycheck to paycheck. Like, I, I don't feel rich. I don't feel wealthy. I don't feel like I can take a vacation or whatever like that. But it doesn't have to be that way for your kids if you start having the right kind of conversations with them, yeah. right? Because then they get that mentality really early on and they start to adopt practices that, you know, they'll exceed you. And so you might find yourself in a situation where because you taught your kids these things very early on, they go on to be very successful and then like they can take care of you. I mean, that's yeah. the hope anyway, right? So, yeah. And you even know. now, like when I was telling you uh, uh, prior to us talking, it, she would say, oh, I want to be an actress so I can buy you a house. I can Aww. buy you this. I can." <laughs> so she's already having that mentality. It's like, I can take care of my mom I, because, you know, she doesn't have enough right now. She doesn't. But I wanted to be honest with her, like regardless mm-hmm. of what it is. I'm going to be honest with you. This is where we are, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be always be like this. Things are yeah. going to change. And um, she just being, you know, hopeful together and every day says, oh, we can go to the movies today. Yes. So there's also that excitement of when we're able to do something together. It's like, oh, mommy, you have enough money to us to go to the movies. So I'm like, yeah, yeah let's go. And it becomes special. Yes. And like yeah. when just used to it, it's just like, okay, movies. Mm-hmm. We can go to the movies. Mm-hmm. But the goal for me was just to be honest with her and just... This is how it is. This is what what it is right now. And then we'll just, it's not going to be always be like this, but right now this is where we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. I love that. Yeah. Um, 
So what are you working on that people can, you know, uh, follow, can um, do? I know I mentioned what you do, but just let us know what you do so we can support. Oh, man, I, I'm doing so many different things and I, I probably need to focus and narrow in on it. Right. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you the thing that I'm most interested in right now. I mean, uh, I I'm a creative and I'm I love telling stories, as you said in the intro. I mean, I I help people, whether it's entrepreneurs or small business owners, like tell their business stories or their professional stories in, yeah. in one way, shape or form. And, you know, sometimes what that could be is like we, we do a photo shoot or we take new headshots so that they can send out resumes and stuff like yeah. that. Or it's like building a website to tell their story or like what they're trying to do. Um, or it's like making videos. And so I, I love to have my hands immersed in all of those different kinds of things creatively um, and to give people direction and like really be strategic about it. Because, you know, what, what's the saying? It's like, uh, you know, the when when one person rises, we all rise together sort of thing. So 100%, yeah. I, I, I'm all about helping people like improve their circumstances through professional development and also personal development. So um, you know, you can find me um, on my website. Just go to richardhackman.com. I am also on social media, mostly Instagram. My handle is hackman.rich. You know, you're, you're just going to find a lot of messaging uh, right now just about like living your life the yeah. best that you can, you know, yeah. because that, that's where I am right now. I, I believe first you, you, you sort of have to heal the person and then you can start to address their needs. Right. And so yeah. um, you'll, you'll find a lot of messaging about that and a lot of like resources, especially like on my website for like past work that I've done that I, I could use to help other people. Um, so if you're interested in that, you know, feel free, shoot, hit me, a send me a message. Um, but otherwise, I, I'm looking to build my network and get to know new people, especially like other fellow immigrants, people who are have been through it. You know, we have some of the most interesting stories. So I want to hear those 100%, stories. Yes. You know, I, I want to tell those stories. I can talk to you forever and I can talk to you <laughs> about everything and anything. Um, what do you live by? What do I live by? Yeah. What gets you motivated? I think what keeps me motivated, what I live by, is just being true to yourself, you know? Mm. Being true to yourself. I think the when I realized that... Because when I was younger, I made a lot of excuses, and I told a lot of lies, you know, and it was a defense mechanism. It was a way to get by um, and to blend in, you know, and the moment that I started just telling the truth, being transparent and presenting myself completely as I am and not being shameful for yeah. what I have or haven't done or accomplished or who I am or who I'm not. The moment I stopped doing all of that, like, I felt my life just become so much better and like a burden lifted. And like, I started to attract the right people into my life, you know, nice. to help me and support me and to, to keep me moving forward. So, yeah. It's so freeing. Like, I love that. I love that. Um, at this point in your life, you've been here how long now in the U.S.? Oh, in the U.S.? Uh, almost about 
it's like half my life, so about 20, 20 years or so. Yeah, yeah. so, um, oh, like me, this year is going to be 20. <laughs> so, yeah. Would you say you found your concrete pastures? Ah, uh, have I found my concrete pastures? Yes, but mm-hmm. I'll add a little to that. So, you know, New York, coming to New York, coming to the U.S., if it had not happened, I don't really know what my life would be like. And I don't know whether I would be content with the life that I had. I mean, obviously, you make the most of whatever life you're given. Yeah. But but I think coming to, the, to New York and to the U.S. created an opportunity and a shift in the dynamic of not just our my, my family, but the relationship that I had with myself and my the level of openness that I was able to achieve in my mind and in my emotions, you know, in my spirit, that it was because of the this environment that I was able to make this shift in who I am and in what I'm doing. Um, and not to say that that couldn't have happened anywhere else, but I think just if anybody, if you know anything about New York, you just know that it's a melting pot. And it's yes. the, the thing that they say about it is if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And it's right? the truth, I think. Yeah. So so I definitely think that I found my concrete pastures. But part of that is also having the ability to go between here and Ghana as and when I choose and having that balance is really key to who I am. So, yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Anything you want to leave for anybody out there that has been in, uh, is in your shoes, maybe where you used to be and uh, dealing with something, uh, what advice would you give them going through their own trauma? Maybe they are scared to go to talk to someone being that they are male, they are, you know, black, Mm-hmm. And they are, they have the stigma of their culture as yeah. well. They don't want to be judged or anything because even with your partner, sometimes we do judge. And I've oh, been to that place absolutely. where I'm like, okay, you are a man, man up. But yeah. I, I've learned it's like we're all human beings, the same thing that, you know, I go through, they, you guys also go through. Yeah, what I will say is you are not alone. Right. Anything that you are going through, I guarantee you someone has been through it or is also going through it. So you are not alone in that sense. And so what you need to realize is that maybe you are in a space, an environment or surrounded by people that are not benefiting you in that moment. And so you need to be able to have the courage to step out of that and find the people who you resonate with because it's only then that you can start to explore the challenges that you're facing in a safe environment to then be able to resolve them. Otherwise you get locked into this closed mindedness. You get locked into the problems that you're dealing with. You get locked into the the, the, the personality that you are. Meanwhile, you want to grow. You want to keep pushing forward. You want to be a beacon of light for not just yourself, but other people. And so you need to take a serious look around you. Who's helping me? Who's not? And make some serious choices about what you need in your life, who you need in your life, and who you need to let go and what you need to let go of and move forward. Thank you for that. Um, 
You, sir, I appreciate you so much for being here. Your story is beautiful and powerful. So many people I know for sure are going to resonate with your story and everything else that we've been able to discuss here. So I appreciate you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I mean, you are doing a service to this community. And yeah, I, I hope as many people keep following you, keep checking out what you're doing and really take to heart some of the things that people are saying on your podcast. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thank you again for lending us your ears. It's truly an honor to save each and every dreamer. You can continue to support us by liking, sharing, and following us on our social media pages. The links are all in the show notes. We have so many exciting projects and ventures in store for you. Until next time, keep dreaming.